0: Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast, One thirty, We are covering the Safeway Open on the PGA Tour, plus the Portugal Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams, and podcast pundit, Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please oh, Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. Now you can follow us on Twitter. Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting and I am at bamford golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I've just released my Safeway Open Golf Betting Show literally 15 minutes ago. So go and consume that on the Steve Bamford YouTube channel. Take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast. Currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. I know that we had a a good haul again last week. Uh, As ever, for those of you who leave a review... I will read them at the start at the next week's show. Now, I've got a couple here. We've actually got a backlog of reviews because we're getting so many, but um, um, I'll read out a couple for you. This one is entitled Midwest USA Regular Listener. He's given us five stars. My favourite, exclamation mark. Better course descriptions than the Golf Channel. My final stop for info so I can get so I can out-game the bubble hats, exclamation mark. Mark, we can handle the cold just fine here in the Midwest. That is from Steve Arbogast, and he is in the United States of America. I don't really understand a lot of that. <laughs> bubble yeah. hats. What's a yeah. bubble hat? Steve, can you come back to us and explain
1: what a bubble hat is? Is that like the equivalent of a sheep that we call? Yeah, you know, I can you know, just one of the, the bubble, the yeah. bubble
0: hats. Hmm. We can handle the cold just fine here in the Midwest. Uh, well, yes. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we've just been talking about a tournament where it was fairly cold compared to the rest of it. I don't know. Anyway. Thank you, Steve, for your five-star review. And then second review of the week. Great podcast, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Five stars. Brilliant entertainment, tips, and all-round knowledge from the lads. Just backed. this. This I've got to say this bit's funny. I've just backed Ryan Palmer at 175 to one for the US PGA Championship, and then he puts in capitals, brilliant insider knowledge! Exclamation mark! That is from NPSC via Apple Podcasts, who's in Great Britain. 175 to one on Ryan Palmer for the US PGA. Did you put up Palmer, Did you put up Palmer? Is it your fault? Palmer, he's in my never back again bucket. You should know that, Palmer. Yeah, I'll never yeah. back him ever again. Yeah,
2: that may have been the week before that you um, you delved back in on. Really? Ryan. it's it, it, it all gone on He was
1: long. mentioned at some stage by one of you idiots. No, I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I more think, than likely, think, Steve. He's had a good season.
0: Yeah, no, he yeah, he's got top good. thirty at the Fed Cup. F- yeah, it's fine, know, but he's think, never going to win. He's not I gonna think, win going to Going
2: back. I think going back, we talked about Ryan Palmer as one of these players who statistically fit everything that we were looking for. Oh. I mean. mm. but okay. if he was going to finish in the top ten, which was what the uh, <laughs> objective was with the each way places, it needed to be a backdoor top ten because that's how he does it, isn't it? We've seen yeah. it with Ryan Palmer. If he's right up there, he's in the oh, lead. God. He's one behind. He's in the shoot eighty. Group.
0: shoots he eighty. He flexes.
2: Yeah. If, he, if he's sitting in twenty-third position, he can go out there and shoot at sixty three and suddenly he finishes up in fifth place and you think, um, yeah, well done. Take the money and run.
1: I mean the good news is I think though losing bets on Ryan Palmer can be written off for as a tax deduction because <laughs> there's just gotta be some loophole there. But um, yeah. um just to let you know, Ryan Palmer
0: finished fourth at the 43rd at the PGO. He started uh, with a 74, he was 128th after day one. 44th, 75th, and he landed uh, 43rd. And he'd shot a closing 64, but the trouble yeah. was he was in se- he was literally at the bottom of the, pl- uh, the uh, field when he shot that yeah. closing so, 60. So
2: it was the right round in the wrong circumstances. Yeah, you
0: got it. That actually segues us onto the Tour Championship. In a way, in a perverse kind of way, I would love to see Ryan Palmer with a 10 shot, l- minus 10 at the start of a tournament, and just see what would happen, <laughs> and how quickly that 10 under would become three under
2: you might get a slightly different looking market to that which we saw last week at the top of the uh, top of the uh, outright Let, market
0: let's talk to a championship and then we'll talk to a championship we'll talk a little bit of martin Keimer and his continual head banging and then of course we can just talk a little bit about and this is what most people are really listening for this week is the us open which of course is next week uh Winning prices last week, DJ won the uh, overall market where everything was taken into account. 15 to 8 favourite, naturally. The places in that particular market JT 6 to 1, Xander 28 to 1, John Rahm 3 to 1, Scotty Scheffler 100 to 1. If you had backed him five places with Bet, was it Bet Fred that were five places? And William Hill, five places? 're picking uh, yes. up you're picking up a nice 20 to one each way return on Scottish Airler last week in the overall market and then with the uh with a level leaderboard Xander won at 15 under they always shoot 15 under the winner of the tour championship not that he was the winner but you get my logic Xander was 12 to one so your strategy pool of backing him at 28s if you'd have backed him each way would have been far better from an each way perspective but clearly Xander then wins at twelve to one, the plate the places in that market. Sheffler was second at twenty eight to one. That guy, some player. Jt ten to one. Dj eleven to two. Tyrrell Hatton got the last each way spot. If you had back to five places each way, thirty three to one. That was the Tour Championship. He's
2: playing some good stuff, Tyrrell, wasn't he? Hmm. Got to say he's he's stepped up a level over the last. Few months.
0: What's his shot shape? Is he a draw or a fader or is he just bang straight?
2: No, he's not straight by any stretch. Um, I think you can put it both ways. I would say, um, in terms of his natural shape, he's got a bit more of a draw than a fade. Um, mm. But um, with Tyrrell, I think it's more down to his mentality. He's, he's a very good mid-range putter, Tyrrell. And when he's playing well, when he, when everything's good in Tyrrell's world, he nails a lot of those types of putts. And I think that makes him good on tougher tracks. I think that makes him good in situations where you're going to have to make a, a 10, 15, a 20-footer for par every now and again. And that just gives him a lot of confidence. Of course, when he's playing really well, that spills over into the uh, resort-style tracks and he's, he's well capable of shooting oh, yeah. a 20 job, yeah. 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 You know, he gets, We've seen him do it a few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Tyrell, I think it's more how he's feeling himself and he should be feeling really good because he's been playing rubbing shoulders with some really top players over the last few months and getting some top results as well um whether that's something that he can take forward into the really big events the major championships over the next uh, well next week as you're saying the masters um, yeah i don't know a bit more arguable for me but it's uh, that's some good stuff
1: Tyrrell to me seems kind of like a binary player he's either on or he's not there's none of this uh, teasing you about you know maybe getting into form he either just comes in and just hits the ground running or bleh, whatever you just forget the week immediately there's no mm-hmm. teasing her, I guess I'm, I could be completely wrong on that it Just it just feels that way like when he's hot he's really hot and when he's not you know you don't even think about him yeah I, th- I think
2: that's an extension of what I said really Barry because I think it's down to how he's, you know, is, is he in the right positive frame of mind? Because if mm. he is, then he's, he's, he's very competitive. If he's not, then he's he can be very uncompetitive. Clearly in a competitive and positive frame of mind right now, Mr Hattel.
0: I think he really bought into the PGA Tour project this year as well, didn't he? Mm. You know, he's yeah. completely, for, I mean, circumstances are circumstances, but he's now a PGA Tour professional. You know, well established in the states. Everyone knows him out there. He's clearly got a US base, and um, he's you know he can mix it on on in the very biggest tournaments. And we've always seen that with him. You know, you go back to like the PGA Championship, the Jimmy Walker one. You know, Tyrrell Hatton was in there, in the top top you know top ten finish. You know, he, and that's when he was a European to a regular. Very 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 rarely visited the United States. I mean, that shows that shows real talent. But yeah. Good player, Terrell I think he's he's certainly worthy of note for next week's US Open. What well, did we just think of the Tour Championship quickly? Um my I, I had it kind of surrounded and then they all just went backwards on on Monday, so it was a full another full loss at the Tour Championship for me. I, I'm used to them. It happens every year.
2: Yeah. All look one thing
0: I will say, if you just look at FedEx Cup ranks and we're looking at the rank here for the tournament with no strokes at the start Rory McIlroy, year one, he was fifth in the FedEx Cup, so he started at five under. And then Sander started at three under this year. He was at 14th. So if if we're looking at that market next year, you want players. You don't want players anywhere near the top of that FedEx Cup ranking
2: with all all
0: of of that pressure.
2: They're kind of playing more conservative and uh, defensive golf, aren't they? Someone who's got to go out there and... Kind of relish that opportunity to go out there and really compile a score that's going to contend. Um, is the one potentially who's going to kind to top yeah. that without market? I thought I thought Zander did really well. I think that's the kind of kind of event that really does weigh his whistle because it's a track that he clearly really enjoys, and it's a scenario where he's trying to beat the best in the game. And uh, he came close enough to to really give himself a stab, didn't he on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Um, you Monday say off air? Uh, Monday we're just saying off air it was that, that pivotal hole where him and DJ left themselves 24 or thereabouts for, for par I forget which one it was 12 or 13 something like that um, and uh, Xander missed and DJ made and had that gone the other way around you'd have been within one stroke with half a dozen or so holes left and you know at that point Xander had the momentum and potentially could have gone to win it but uh, such are the fine margins in this game it wasn't to be. But DJ you know over the last four events or so he's been playing some immaculate stuff, hasn't he? Very worthy winner in my view, very worthy world number 1 right now. Yeah. In my view, couldn't agree more.
1: We should have made more money off him the last few weeks, but we're all idiots. He's he was, he's been absolutely sensational. Even he had that little wobble yesterday, back-to-back bogeys. He then rolls in like a 7 8 footer just to stop, you know, to stop the bleeding. Yeah. He just seems to be able to, just I mean, get over these speed bumps with like no issues, you know, and just gets back on it. Um, Amazing. I mean, Thomas and Xander made two good, you know, and Ram made good runs at him, but just just couldn't make that uh, connection to him at the top.
2: So it's
1: it's 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 a tough course to kind of make that. I guess get that close that gap when you are chasing. You know, it's not the kind of
2: track where you can go out and rattle off birdie after birdie and suddenly in the shape, you know, in, in the space of nine holes and made up six shots. It's, you know, it's extremely rare to be able to put together that kind of run at Eastlake because it's not that kind of track. It is a proper technical test. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it overall, I must say. It's, I, mean, I enjoyed it more than I thought I'd enjoy it. Um, I far prefer full field events. I far prefer bigger tests um, or or bigger odds that you can pluck from further down the list. Um, Looking at the start of that week and the market that we were presented with, um, I know it it was a challenge for for you to try and work out a way to play it. I can't stand it. (laughs) I can't stand it. You know, and from a punting perspective, it's, it's the same dilemma. You know, I, look always, at the-
0: I always start the week thinking, "Do you know what? I might only just put one up this week and be done with it." And then it's just like, oh, you know, just go for one, four points win, or whatever the bet is, and mm. just do it, leave it, go and do something different. Yeah. But then it just, well, I could fit him in, and then he could fit him in if you go win only. <laughs> and in the end, you cost yourself a fortune, yeah. and it's on a thirty-man field.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, I don't know. You live and learn. Right? You, 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 you live and live and learn. So um, but I, again, I, from a personal perspective, trying to work out how best to play it last week, and and you look at the the fact that after a round, and once the once the play actually starts, if the guy at the top makes a a, a bogey or a double bogey, a couple of the guys who are further down have already started well and two or three under through five or six yeah. holes. And suddenly, the leaderboard. Suddenly, that's um, those starting positions have an entirely different complexion on them, and the, mm. the odds that you get presented with from those players a little yep. further down the list um, can can be quickly made to look quite false. So, you yeah,
0: look to that last week on Dustin Johnson. Never, ever, or you know, no FedEx Cup number one rank has ever won the the final no. uh, because they hadn't before he uh, before Dustin did it yesterday. Mm. You think I can't have that at fifteen to eight. I might back him. Might just back him for that bit of extra value in the no in the, you know in the no strokes market. Get eleven to two. Well that'd have missed because clearly Zander won. It's just yeah. all over the you just I just I, I struggle with it. I don't I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's not talk <laughs> about it. Let's talk about Martin Keimer and John Catlin, shall we? At yeah. Valder Arm. Now John Catlin, last time he made any waves to me. Was when they played the tournament just up the road from me here at Hanbury Manor, and he and he decided he was going to go for an Indian down in Ware, my local town, and uh, he, he would break out of the bubble, yes. and uh he couldn't play the tournament. And then next couple of weeks later, lo and behold, he goes and wins at Valderrama of all places. And um, one, I, di- I-, I didn't realize he's a bit of a winning machine in lower sort of tours, isn't he? Yeah, he's won plenty yeah. of tournaments, John Cat
2: yeah and he's rubbed shoulders with some of the top players over the course of the years um certainly as a result of some of those events that he's won he he, he was at, i think it was the CIMB Classic a couple of years back he played in it he did reasonably well i think top 20 or top 25 there or thereabouts. and um he's better he's a better player than the kind of events that he's been playing in. Um, mm-hmm. i put him up at the UEM Bank Open for that you very reason um he didn't do, mate, I think he finished mid-40s, somewhere there or thereabouts, but um, it was clearly enough to give me a bit of confidence that he could play well in this kind of company, but I wasn't close to him last week, I must say. He is an accurate player, he's a very good scrambler, he got some good scrambling stats pre-the-event, he had some good sand-save stats pre-the-event, but um, he wasn't part of my final shortlist, 125-1, um, to 1. but um, having hit the front, he... Just about did enough to hang about. I mean, that final round, seventy-five, no birdies in his final round, four over, and still managed to just about claw over the line. And when, when, as you say, Martin Keimer, again another, another golden opportunity to win a golf tournament. Another one slips through his fingers.
0: What price is he going to win at when he does finally win? It's going to be like eight to one, seven to one, six to one price, isn't it, Keimer?
2: He's getting uh it's getting into that kind of Matt Kuchar range, isn't it? Where yeah, you're just yeah, continually yeah. banging on the door and you get to a point where you say, Well, I just cannot back him because he's far too short and you know damn well he's gonna win um eventually. But um Climber's
0: in the US open field,
2: could you see anything? You know he's clearly playing some great golf. You yeah, see no, him he's going been- well at Wingfoot next week? He's playing some great golf, except when it gets to the very business end of the tournament he was very down i don't know if you saw his comment on his other facebook or twitter after the um, after the end where he talked again about the final two holes and how disappointed he was in how he played them and uh, you know how it all transpired at the end and and that's the point it's it, it's this kind of final mental hurdle for him to, to overcome he's got to find a way just to scrub any of those Skeletons that are in the closet, or you know those memories or the, the feelings that he's getting that are, that are stopping him from converting his opportunities because he's far too good a player for that. He should have should be taking these events and you know winning multiple times over the last two weeks
1: particularly. Winning is very hard. It is. yeah. It's so hard. Look and. I think, yeah, we could we keep talking about it and you, you'd you like to think it doesn't affect him but that, um, when he coughed up that huge lead in Abu Dhabi, wasn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: That's the kind of scar that just sits at you for, seems like forever, maybe. Mm. Um, but the more times he puts himself in this situation, the more he's going to get, I don't know, used to those bad feelings he's getting. And, um, yeah, I mean, you hope he can just pluck one of these off and and get that monkey off the back and remove all those demons and it might set him free again Uh, he's I don't know for me he's a very likeable guy so you you see somebody like that uh, somebody who you like uh, struggle you kind of I guess it hits you in the feels a little bit more than it would somebody else Um, yeah yeah, Yeah. I I don't know is the US Open too big a stage to kind of break that duck
2: yeah I think you're probably right um I don't know. I, I I thought the final few holes. I thought that was the way that Martin was gonna gonna convert that opportunity. I thought he would win that last week, uh, because it wasn't the kind of event where you needed to go out and shoot the birdies in the final few holes to to win the tournament. It was just a case of hanging on. Catlin was. I wouldn't say he was wobbling, but he was he was nervous. He admitted that he was very nervous
0: after the <laughs> you event. You could see that. Yeah. But he, he, he grinded it out, didn't he? I mean, it was blowing a hoolie, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, well, it was it was tough all week, you know. Mm. You don't need much of a wind round Valderrama to no, make no, it. No, no, no. It's no, no, a tough no, track, no. but uh, yeah, when it's when it's blowing 15, 20, and you're getting the you know the odd gust of 25, 30, it's a oh, wow. brutal a track.
1: terrifying, terrifying. I'd love to get a PGA wind. Tour
0: event there. Just oh. watch some of, these, some of these PGA Tour boys miss the cut there 15 over in the win.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a spectacle. I didn't enjoy it as a betting event. I had four out of my five, make it through to the, uh, to the, to the weekend. But, um, you know, such was the scoring that, you know, when you're starting the weekend at 6-7-8 over par, you know, I guess a lot of these guys are already mentally broken in that respect desperate just to get away
0: for reference Martin Keimer is 125 to 1 with a couple of firms for the US Open next week that is the same price as Bubba Watson well I know who I'd take at the US Open Henrik Stenson who's played very little golf. Joachim Neiman who did really well a couple of weeks ago at the BMW and it's a bigger price than Billy Horshall and your friend uh, Barry Kevin Kisner. Are you still gonna be auto betting Kevin Kisner at the US Open, by the way? It it has been auto bet. <laughs> it has been, okay.
1: Yeah, I he's just he's playing great. He really was well, I mean, last week whatever he stalled out I mean, i if he's, if I suppose at this stage I kinda of have to just take a punt that it doesn't um Carry, out, you know, carry on into a second week of stalling out. But, you know, you had a couple of funky days on the greens, one bad day with the driver, and you've got that kind of almost insurmountable gap to DJ who's playing godlike, oh, god-like golf at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you're... I guess that, like, supreme level of focus just isn't quite there. You know, you're a couple of percent off and blah, blah, blah. So... Yeah, let's just see how he goes uh, when we get back to a, a level playing field a uh, level starting field you know most of his game is in good shape I have a little bit of fear about uh, the length of winged foot and whether it will be playing soft or yeah. or running a bit um, I think a little bit of run in the fairways really will help him just get that distance so he's not hitting in you know a few 200 yard plus approach shots on par 4s Yeah. I'm going to go
0: full disclosure here. We are going to pull together a US Open preview podcast at the end of this week. I know that you listeners love the ability to digest that kind of information at the end of the week prior to and the weekend prior to the major. So we're going to do that together. Barry's in, Paul's in. I'm going to go full disclosure on my my US Open bets that I've already made. And I only made them within the last week uh, the first bet I made, which was a complete and utter mistake, and I would say to everybody to completely disregard this bet, is Webb Simpson. I backed him all on the exchange at 34. I got—I don't know what... I must have got out of bed. I don't know. I, something went horribly wrong with that particular bet. Um, Webb Simpson. So do not back Webb Simpson. Okay. He will clearly win now. But anyway, I don't care because I backed him. Next up... I backed this particular individual first thing on Sunday. I've gone for Xander Showflow. I've got him at 22 on the exchange. And I've literally, Paul, just made another bet while you were talking earlier.
2: <laughs> you can't keep I boxing. can
0: multitask. I can present a show and bet at the same time. How Don't, tell your, Don't yeah. tell your wife. You Don't tell your wife. I'm go not going to. I've just backed Patrick Reid... Who is 55 mm. on the exchange right now? Yeah,
2: that's his price. And that
0: it. here you go, you just said it. That is Patrick Reed's price, isn't it? Mm. He was super, super impressive last week off the off the yeah, uh, yeah. you he was doing things that Patrick Reed doesn't usually do. Uh he well, shot 11 under. Well, that's his overall score. I don't know what his actual score was. He he was top he topped driving accuracy.
2: And this is what's been missing from Patrick Reid's game over the last few months. It's, he's been it's all putting. In, yeah, the, the putting has been exceptional, but he's been hitting no fairways and no greens. And when you start to see that um, wash through and uh, filter through into his uh, stats, then, uh, yeah, it's going to make a hell of a difference to, to how he can approach next week and, and potentially what he kind of... What, can show you? Don't forget as well,
0: Paul. Last few times we've been to America to the Big Apple, um, he won the Northern Trust in the last year at Liberty National, opposite mm. Manhattan, yeah. and a few years ago he won at Bethpage Black, the you know the famous U.S. Open PGA Championship venue. So give him a tough golf course.
2: Yeah, loves it.
0: So I'm on Patrick does Reed.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I can see the logic in that uh, very much so.
0: Right, you. Um, you managed to release your Portugal Masters preview uh, yesterday and we had to wait for mine. So to give me a break for 15 minutes, because this morning's been rather hectic, mm. do you want to take the listeners and ourselves through your Portugal Masters thoughts, please, Paul?
2: Yeah, yeah give you a break. This should Give the players a little bit of a break who uh, attended last week. At Valderrama, um, it should be a should be a wholly different task this week as we uh, head yeah. to the second part of our Iberian swing and heading back to Villamora once again. Um, and as you say, for the Portugal Masters, mm. uh, Tommy Fleetwood was a late addition to the field, which um, I, I mentioned to you through gritted teeth yesterday. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how that the circumstances were from Tommy um, suddenly appearing on the. Uh, on the attendee list um, on uh, midway through Monday morning, but there you go. That's where he is. Um, it completely ripped up the, uh, the, the the books that had already been early published uh, because clearly someone like Tommy Fleetwood arriving and playing an event that's otherwise rather than mill european tour at best um, is going to have a profound impact on the market, um, and and uh, he was instantly put in as a 11 to 2 favourite for this. Um, not been playing the best, Tommy, is he? Um, you know, he's
0: been playing mainly over on the uh, it is his irons, isn't or, it? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's some very he's been under, driving
0: the ball long and straight, but it's 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 the approach play where he's been lacking over in yeah. PGA. I just think this whole COVID thing has it affects players in different ways, and he hasn't been comfortable with it at all.
2: No, no. he's a not, family man. Well, he is, and it's it's an odd warm up for for the US Open to fly to portugal to then fly back over to the states um, in time for next week it's um, all very strange but that's where we are it it took me by surprise i think it took the bookies by surprise and took uh, everyone who uh, comments and uh, and uh, looks at these things by surprise but there you go that's where we are the thing is
0: paul though do you fly from the uk to california play a tournament on a golf course you've never played before and then fly the five, six hours back to the East Coast? Or do you just go to Portugal and then do the five-hour flight across to Manhattan? I don't know. they clearly worked it through yeah. that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's clearly part of his master plan, mm. which we'll see how that uh, transpires. But yes, he's in, in as the 11-2 to favourite this week. Um, George Kutseer 16 to 1 is the second favourite he's coming here off the back of um, form on the Sunshine Tour of second and first so um, clearly comes in with a little bit of form 16 to 1 George Kutseer just doesn't Is the kind of that's never uh, going to
0: float your boat
2: no, no no, the kind of number that I'm struggling with a little bit <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tong Lee 25 to 1 and it, it only lasted what 4 or 5 holes last week Tong Lee um, before drifting, well, before withdrawing, so something wasn't quite right with uh, there, there. was a hint. Um, I didn't see anything confirmed. There was a hint of a, uh, an injury with Lee last week, um, and okay. we'll have to see how that transpires. Ryan Fox, twenty-five to one, um, and then into the likes of Jorge Campillo, Yos Lowton, Jason Scrivener, Marcus Kinnehalt, Wilco, Wilco, and Nine Arbuck. Twenty eight to one, thirty three to one. Bar those players that I've mentioned already. So Tommy's appearance has pretty much blown that field. Um, further down there, basically every player got lengthened as a result of his appearance, which is mm-hmm. uh, something you don't see very often. Um, with a Monday morning book where it's just to sea of blue. Mm-hmm.
1: It's
2: um, yeah, good to see, um, and good to see Tommy see how he pa- fares this week at Villamora.
0: What do you think? Uh, Players need around here, Paul.
2: What do they need?
0: Yeah,
2: it's going to be in stark contrast to last week, that's the the fundamental point. And you're going to need to be scoring far more freely and far, being far more aggressive than um, than you would even dream of being around uh, Valderrama, and that's that's the key with it, really. It's a it's a relatively short course. Uh, the Don Pedro Victoria, um, it's an Arlo Palmer design, 7,191 par yard, par 71. Uh, Bermuda rough, bent par greens, but it's pretty flat, water on seven of the holes. They could tighten it up a little actually before the last year's event, um, but it still produced a 17-under winning total. So clearly it wasn't that tight. Um, the idea was to try and stop some of the longer players from simply cutting the corners on a lot of the holes. Right. Um, so some trees have been planted and some of the um, sight lines have changed slightly to try and prevent that kind of approach. But um, I don't think chopping a winning total down from 22 to 17 has moved it in terms of its category. It's still a resort course in my my view. And making birdies still the order of the day Um, in terms of how you're going to actually compile a winning score around it. Uh, going back through the last few winners, back to twenty ten, Richard Green fifty to one back in twenty ten, uh, Tom Lewis the one, won the first of his two titles in twenty eleven, hundred to one, Shane Lowry sixty sixes, David Lim eighty to one, Alex Levy seventy to one. If you're looking for a typical aggressive style player who you'd think would suit somewhere like Villamora, Alex Levy is the is the archetypal player for this kind of track. Uh, Andy Sullivan 50 to 1, Patrick Harrington 100 to 1, Lucas Berigardo we were on in 2017 66, Tom Lewis again in 2018 a 50 to 1, Stephen Brown last year 150 to 1, which is the biggest price of those players that we've gone through. Um, the observant amongst you will notice that there were no winners there with a price of less than 50 to 1. It's one of these. Mm. Um, resort yeah. tracks and you often see it over the, on the PGA Tour as well yeah. where low scoring events will often produce mm. a bigger priced player who can simply get the putter going really get the putter going over the course of the four days and, uh, and make those copious amount of birdies that need to be made to, uh, to get over the line and that's the key really I think the last five winning scores 23, 23, 20, 22 and then 17 under par from the last five um, events held here. And these are the putting average positions of those, well, the last eight eight winners here. First, seventh, first, fourth. First, first, fifth, first for putting. You need a hot putter. You need to make some birdies. You need to score well on the par fours. And it does set up well for the long hitters. And, and I, I'm sure if you read... A number of previews, I'm sure if you listen to a number of um commentators and podcasts on, on this event this week, then a lot of people will emphasize the requirement, the need, the um the bias towards longer hitters. But then you've got the likes of Richard Green, you've got the likes of Stephen Brown even, um, who aren't long hitters by any stretch of the imagination. David Lynn, you know, he's, yeah, he's Lynn's uh, like... uh, no, these these are kind of middle hitters at the very best so clearly it's not the be all and end all here to to be able to hit it a long way i think you're just gonna have to come in and putt particularly well over the course of the four days um course forms positive current form coming in positive as well if you look at the previous winners although again you've got the likes and alex levy and tom lewis the first time round who were debutants when they won so again it's not the be all and end all just go out there make some birdies putt well in the week Set up and um, lots of opportunities with some good iron play, and away you go, in my view. Um, I've backed four in total this week, and um, top of the shop Guido Migliozzi. the talented Italian at fifty to one. I I looked through the top of the market, and I can't have Tommy at eleven to two. I mean, it's a it's a win only kind of all legs in one basket bet if you're going to play that one. Um, he's he's not been playing great. He's had five attempts here with at Villamora. Um, no top 10s over the course of those five events, so that's enough to put me off Tommy. Um, George Gutsaya, as I said, he's finished 2-1, second first on the uh, Sunshine Tour over the last couple of weeks, but when it gets to the business end of these European Tour events, and this it's like hot potato the best of times, let alone when you've got George Gutsaya involved. 16-1. to one. I'd, I'd, I'd be struggling to put him up at 50-1, 66, sim- simply because... I have very little faith that when it comes push comes to shove, that he can actually convert.
0: No, no, no. He is the right kind. He loves he loves these low scoring twenty under jobs, doesn't he? But the guy just his record of converting anything over Sunshine Tour is pathetic.
2: Yeah, Yeah. at that price, it's a stack of opportunities, and just just doesn't happen. So, so yeah. I mean, the closest to the guys at the top for me was Ryan Fox, who's been playing some good, consistent Mm. stuff. Again, he's not really been getting that close to winning. So I've um, I've gone followed this um, trend for 50 to 1 and above winners here. Um, I can't ignore it. It's staring you in the face over the last 10 years. So yeah, as I say, I've gone for Guido at the top of my list this week. Um, He bounced back to form last week. Finished 6th in the um, Valderrama after what was essentially a poor UK swing. Um, massive improvement that. He'd finished twice he played Valderrama before two missed cuts now this is a big change of pace I understand that and I'm not sure you're going to be able to directly correlate any form from Valderrama to to Villamora because they're two very 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 different tests however a player who finds a bit of form particularly with a putter and um, either that or with his approach play and coming into an event where it's going to be far far simpler and far easier to play some golf I think could to feel like a weight's been lifted off their shoulder and really go out and, and play well. He topped putting last week. He made 100 putts for the week, which is the best on show. He led the par four scoring um, for the week for all of the players at uh, uh, Valderrama last week. And again, par four scoring here from the last few winners has been absolutely critical. So um, if you can make that a quick adjustment, um, he could go really well here, I think. Couple of wins on the European Tour already. Fourteenth here last year he was fifth for Strokes Gain approach. Sixth for Strokes Gain to green, which um, was really positive. And um, last year here for Guido. And back in Guido, I've got Antoine Rosner. Um, I've backed a number of times. You've noticed that a few of the players, a number of the players, lot of the players that I've backed since the uh, resumption of um, Gulf of gone on to win or gone on to really contend in the weeks that I've decided to drop them so I'm going to stick with Ross now I've been chasing my tail a bit with him I must say but uh, I'm convinced that he's got a win in him and he's got a win in him soon so um, let's stick with him um, he backdoored a third place finished last week he closed with 17 which was only beaten by three players should give him lots of confidence coming into this week Um, His putting was positive, but it was also first strokes gained approach, which, again, if you're going to be setting up a lot of birdie opportunities this week, if your approach play is good, um, if your putting is good, then that could easily translate into a lot of birdie chances and birdies made this week and the track where you're going to need to do that, I think. Uh, Two wins on the challenge tour. um, He won those by an aggregate 11 shots. He can go low. He can produce the kind of scoring that you need to do, around here and he's proven that he can win and uh, I, I think there's a lot of players in this field that you could argue aren't going to be able to do that I've not got the recent enough winning mentality to go and to convert an opportunity I think he's, he's, he's ripe and he's close um, for me it is his debut here but he has played in Portugal before he finished second at the Open to Portugal back in 2018 on the Challenge Tour so a little bit of positive Portuguese form to go with it as well Paul, can I can just little... ask you a question? Yeah, go.
0: On. How how does an Antoine Rosner compare to say a Benjamin Heber in terms of his game shape? You know, if we're comparing two young talented Frenchmen. I haven't seen a lot of Rosner. I know yeah, he's very uh, well thought of.
2: Yeah, he is. He's more of a more of an accurate type in my view. And um, I mean hebert has got a lot of game, but he's another one of these who just struggles to convert, isn't he? And um, yes. uh, Rosner, yeah, he's he's more of an accurate type. Um, no. But clearly what I saw last week um, with the putter was the kind of catalyst for me to get involved again. Mm. Um, and it doesn't take much for me to get involved with him because I think I've backed him three or four times over the last few yeah. weeks. Uh, well, he's well weeks. thought after, isn't it Yeah, he is. Yeah, I, he's, he's, got a big, he's a big prospect in my view and I think he's one that you've got. To keep Has it been so the answer. putter
0: that's been holding him back of late until he, he, he kind of turned that last week?
2: He seems a bit hot and cold with it. Um, his long game seems to be quite consistent. His um his putter can be hot and cold but um, yeah I think he was 8th for putts GIR in in Mm. old money last week which um, Mm. is good enough for me with a player who can hit a lot of fairways and and clearly they're all going to hit a lot more greens this time last week was more about you know hit as many greens as you possibly can but you're still going to be hitting 40 50 you know anything approaching 60% last week was um, you know was outstanding so um, you translate that to a track that this week is going to be far easier to find greens and the fact that he was first for strokes going approach and putting well um, when he turns up to a track like this should be far more up his alley, I think. So so yeah, i got high hopes with Rosner this week um, and in general for, for, the, for the Frenchman. Um, a couple of longer shots to complete. Alvaro Quiros at 100-1. to A bit more speculative, as you know, because uh, he's that kind of player He misses an awful lot of cuts. But uh, a few signs last week that there's, uh, there's a reason to back him, I think. And... Um, you know on a practical level he's he knows the track here at philly better than most he lived um lived very locally for a while um when he just after he got married um back 2013 or so he was attached to the course um back in the t- back in the day as well so he's played the course an awful lot uh, he won here in 2008 and we've seen with tom lewis that repeat winners on this track are possible and we've also seen with the likes of robert carlson frankie bolinari Justin Walters, who've all finished runner-up more than once here, that you've got players who get on with the track and come back and compete and contend um, time after time. Andy Sullivan's another one who's got a great record here. Um, But Kiros, he's had some wrist injuries, as we know. He struggled a bit. He was up to 21st in the world at one point in 2011 after he won six European Tour events in pretty quick succession. But uh, right off the boil with his injuries... But did win that uh, Rocco Forte Open back in 2017 and that was off the back of one snippet of form the previous week. He finished 22nd <laughs> yeah. and you, you had to really, you know, if you blink and you missed it with Kiros, what
0: was um, that? What did he win at that? Was that that one where he won at 250 to one? Yeah, it was a mad price.
2: Yeah, it was a mad price, but he had finished 22nd the week before yeah, um, right. and it was clearly a massive improvement over the you know bad miscuts he's been making. So the fact he finished 17th last week at Valderrama which I'd still and he has got some local ties to Valderrama I'd still say it's nothing like the kind of track where you should be seeing someone like Alvaro Quiros doing well so top 20 at Valderrama and he comes to a track where he's lived very locally, he's played it copious amount of times, he's won in the past he's 100 to 1 I can I couldn't ignore him, there was no reason for me to miss Alvaro Quiros off the list this week and he could just go and win it, he's that kind of player who could just turn oh, yeah. this week and win this golf tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of one. Uh, so that's Kiros. Finally, I've gone with uh, Robin Cocc. Again, another player that I've backed relatively recently. I backed him at the Austri- Austrian Open. Actually, missed the cut, um, and naturally finished third the week after the Euron Bank Open when I'd uh, when I dropped him. So he's um, another player who's a little bit hit and miss, but he's learning his trade at this level. Third there, th- um, third at the Vic Open before lockdown. Eighth at Mauritius. Um, at the back end of last year. So three good top 10 finishes in this European Tour wraparound season. Um, he putts well, he drives the ball well. He would seem to be quite well suited to, uh, to Villamora for me. Um, he can score well. He shot a 61 in that effort at the Euro Bank Open as well. And he's another one who showed a bit of form last week. 17th again last week at Valderrama. 200-1, um, quite happy to take a chance with him. Um, with the extended places that are on offer this week, so that's my four um, in reverse order. In reverse order, d- order: Robin Co. Sigrist, um, Alvaro Kieros, Antoine Rosner, and top of the shop was Guido Migliazzi.
0: I think your event's very similar to mine in many ways, especially that winning price.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, you know, it'd be very, very easy to get sucked into some of these shorter prices this week, and just you know, Ryan Fox type or the Yost Louton or someone. But actually, year in, year out, it's someone at that juicy 50 to one mid-price or or bigger that gets the job done around there.
2: Yeah, and they're the kind of events that pundits love to get involved in. The kind of events that I love to get involved in as well. And was there anyone you fancied in that, Barry? I know you've had a brief look at um, the uh, the Portugal Masters.
1: So, so brief. <laughs> <laughs> just in the garden, just then. I, I, I don't know if I've kind of. I'm slightly out of oh, you, rhythm. Oh, oh,
2: oh, you, 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 you said to me that you were giving up with the uh, Europeans, or is that going to be a, a I'm not giving up.
1: Let's just put it this way. We're both dancing at the moment, but probably not to the same song, so we're a little bit out of rhythm. and <laughs> We're not really getting the desired results. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I like what you're saying about Rosner, um, particularly with the, the approach I'm putting. Uh, that's yeah. It's it's whether he can back up one hot week with another. Um there's there's a lot of guys there kinda of looking at the form versus course history that have some you know, plenty of green on the board on your on the the combi stats breakdown on the golf betting system mm-hmm. website. And so that's kind of making it tricky for me to identify one in particular. Um I just, I just yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of seizing myself a little yeah, bit for maybe about, this week yeah, just take a breath yeah, before the us if, open
2: no it, it, as, as in this game if nothing it, there's, there's no point having a bet just for the sake of it and any of this stuff if you if fancy someone go for it if you, you're trying to pluck someone out for the uh, you know to have some interest then it's probably just gonna backfire it's usually
1: where you should. lose lose money pretty quickly so and um, yeah
2: to your point about rosner in terms of his um Potentially keeping going for two consecutive weeks. He, when he won his Challenge Tour events last year, they were both week after week. They were two mm. consecutive weeks. So he's that kind of player. I think when he finds that top gear, mm. he's going to be able to really maintain it and keep um, keep at that level for a week or two longer. So um, hopefully, he's one of those guys who can uh, get himself right in the mix this week. We shall
1: see. That's good to know. I think. Can you believe? My-
0: can you believe, chaps, that the new PGA Tour season is just starting three days after
2: the old one? Yeah. You didn't have much of a rest there, Steve.
1: I'm looking forward to the first FedEx Cup standings update in the middle of the tournament.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Middle of round one? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. With this putty, yeah. I'll
1: move to number one in the FedEx Cup standings. These guys
0: projected P1. <laughs> do
1: you know what was really weird? Like, FedEx pumped so much money into, obviously, the FedEx Cup. There was so little um, talk about the financial amounts the guys were winning and losing and yesterday. No, uh, they just mentioned charity. That's what they tend to mention. I don't
0: know if you noticed. Know
1: it. Oh, it's such a big narrative. Uh, like, yeah, avoiding yeah. You know, but the, the, the they guys mentioned that
0: part's just cost him two and a half million dollars.
1: I want to see. I want to see that as a fan, and I want the camera zoomed in on his face as a putt for you know he misses a five six footer and makes a five six footer for like, that's worth a half a million you know but
2: you've got, you got a sadistic streak there Barry I'm a Bye.
1: sports
2: fan the and the enjoy. whole
1: the whole idea is they put this what was it 45 million they put up for reward money in this yeah. in this tournament that needs to be spoken about they're trying to make the guys uncomfortable by putting up these big numbers of money you know 15 million to win they're trying to make them uncomfortable and yet they completely forget to talk about it or they purposely uh, don't talk about it because they're afraid of a tiny bit of bad uh, media that these golfers are getting paid too much. Which is, look, they get paid a lot of money because they're excellent at what they do and there's a lot of publicity around it. And FedEx deems it worthwhile to pump that amount of money into the event or you know, into the year-long thing. So it should be spoken about, you know. Just because it might upset one person that somebody's winning fifteen million in a tournament, you know, the- Yeah, Shock horror! PGA
0: Tour stars make a lot of money.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a. But it,
0: I totally agree, and I think you know there was a lot of debate, and there has been a lot of debate. We even debated it on here last week. You know, is is the is this strokes index the right way? You know, there was talk there's been talk about it I mean Jeff Feinberg mentions it a lot over over on the, the the stuff that he's doing over in um over the other side of the Atlantic why don't we do match play you could do a match play finish to this where you know the top I don't know the top whatever the number is top eight stroke play for the first two days and the top eight go through to match play and he yeah. said wouldn't it be fantastic coverage where you've so literally got God. a head to head Eighteen-hole match play finish for fifteen million dollars, but it can't work because the PGA Tour don't want to tell the viewers that the fifteen million prize that's out there is actually out there. It's all kind of
1: a dirty little secret. It it's, it's doesn't a, it's really a, work, does it? No, the, the things don't. The two things don't match up, but they have to match up because the money's there. So you need to talk about it. It needs, you know, and it needs to be focused. And I think match play will be sensational. There's no doubt the two guys in the final match, if they're playing for winner takes 15 and second place gets five or whatever, they're definitely making a deal, but they might leave a million on the table to, to play for. So either way... Making a deal. <laughs> can, 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 if you're Okay, if you're going into a match play situation and the difference is 10 million, I'm making yeah. a deal. Are you making a deal? <laughs> yeah. You, what a locker room. Absolutely. 100% you are. You're not playing for straight up for 10 million. Like, well, I'm not. Let's say maybe some of those guys would, but like, um, yeah, I, I think match play would be so much more entertaining. Um, you just get that extra level of tension in match play that just doesn't seem to kind of play out so well in the the stroke format they have. I mean, it's a it's a messy system. I mean, I think I what they should possibly do is pay out more money for the season long standings instead of this last gasp dash for cash um, I don't think there's any perfect perfect solution uh,
2: it's, no, a, it's, 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 a difficult,
0: it's a difficult old scenario and, and
1: and at the end of the day we are three
0: complete golf nuts who bet on golf pretty much every week of the year. if you ask me questions about who won the 2012 FedEx Cup, I, I probably couldn't tell you. I'd have to go and look at my num records. If you told me who won the majors in 2012, mm. I could drag them up out yeah. of my brain. Um, and that's the point, isn't it? People don't remember the FedEx Cup champion; they no. do remember the major champions.
1: And I think you might. I mean, if you think about, if you think back to say like the the Match Play, the Dell Match Play, or whatever it's called these days. Um, you can remember quite a few of those guys that won that that event because it's so unique in the calendar. Match play yeah. is so unique in the pro calendar. And I think if it was a match play situation for the FedEx Cup, they, they stick in your mind a bit more because you've watched two guys duel it out for 18 holes directly yeah. head-to-head instead of on a scoreboard um, with other players.
0: That's true. Then I again... Can remember Kis, Kisner and Bubba winning the last yeah. two match plays. I couldn't probably tell you who won the FedEx Cup that year. No. I know that Rory won it last year and that DJ won it this year, but I can't really forget yesterday. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, it's the start of a new PGA Tour season. It's the Safeway Open. I believe there's 50 events this year. So there's not, there's not going to be a lot of rest. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm cram cram- I'm in. Oh, mate. Um, just to update, the Far East swing has been cancelled. So the WGCHSBC champions, which they play in Shanghai... That's now been cancelled until uh, 2021. That's pencilled in then. Uh, the CJ Cup that they play on Jeju Island, which is a golf tournament I always love, That's uh, that's been moved to Shadow Creek Golf Course in Las Vegas. And the Zozo Championship, where we saw Tiger Woods win last year, that's been moved from Japan to Sherwood Country Club in California. Now, that's a golf course that I know Dustin Johnson plays a lot because I believe um, Gretzky's got a property on Sherwood Country Club. And it's also a tournament we used to see regularly at Tigers Challenge tournament, or what it used to be called yeah, the that's... Chevron Challenge.
2: Yeah, 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 The season ending, Jolly.
0: You got it. I can remember one year G Max staring down Tiger Woods there. Beating him yeah. in the final round. And Zach yeah. Johnson won there, I believe, as well. So uh, we've got some Sherwood Country Club um, angles to look at for that. But that's quite a way down the line. Clearly, this week we've got the Safeway Open. Uh, we've also got the US Open next week at Winged Foot. Now, Safeway Open is very similar to your event, Paul, in terms of winning prices, I have to say. Um, I'll just take, I'll, I'll start with that champ last year won at 150 to one Tway, 66s uh Brandon, Brandon steel I mean this is the Brandon steel open uh, 33 to one when he defended in 17 when he won it the first time in 16 he was 50 to one <laughs> this there needs to be some kind of statue built at uh, Silverado <laughs> because this is the course where Emiliano Grio actually won a golf tournament. He won this at 50 to 1 in 2015. And I think he won that straight off the back of winning the web.com as it was championship the week or two weeks before.
2: Yeah, he was in some decent nick back then. Wasn't he, he actually he won, won been, tournaments then. He must have been making some three or four footers as well.
0: And we have Sangmu Bay in 2014. Moon Bay won at 150 to 1. So since we've gone to this split season, the average winning price here is 83 to 1. And since, when we go back to 2010 and include winners from Cordy Val, which was the course beforehand, so Jimmy Walker, I was on him that year, 30 to 1, Blixt, Mulder and Rocco Mediate, that average for this tournament is 75 to 1. Mm. And that, to me, helped shape my views on the target areas of pricing I was going for.
2: Yeah.
0: Because let's be honest here. After three weeks of carnival kind of... Can't can, carnival golf on the PJ two with the very best players in the world. You can't really say the same this week. When you've got Siwoo Kim and Phil Mickelson as joint favourites, it's a bit of a culture shock. Uh, Barry, I, I bet you'll, you'll be back in Siwoo this, this week at 18 to 1, won't you? <laughs> if, maybe if you gave me a by 10 multiplier. I mean, come on. To Dude. make the prices even worse, Matt Kuchar was going to be playing this and he's withdrawn
2: <laughs> yeah. Just put another another
0: knife into the market. So we we're seeing loads of blue at the top of the market. Where you had a lot of uh, you saw a lot of pink pull with yeah. Fleetwood coming in. We've got Kujar going out. Mm. We've got Kim Mickelson Lowry, Joel Damon. Joel Damon, his fifth favorite, Jordan Spieth, interesting, Sergio Garcia. We've got Emiliano Grio. We've got Eric Van Ruen. I'm sure he'll be on everyone's uh, everyone's DraftKings team with everyone talking. He's such a fantastic player, this Eric Van Ruyen. Uh, he's popping lots of models. Uh, but we've got Brendan Steele, Harold Varner, Ches Reavy, Doc There, That's the top of this week's betting card. So it's a bit of a culture shock, to say the least. Silverado Resort and Spa. It used to be a country club, but it's now a resort and spa. It's an interesting little course, actually. 7,200 yards. Played at Napa, which is California. It's clearly Napa is wine country. It's an extremely dry environment. I checked the last three months, there's been like two millimetres of rain. So this golf course, bearing in mind it's a Johnny Miller owned golf course as well. Miller's got a lot of impact on this this uh, golf course and this tournament. Miller doesn't mind a little bit of release on the greens. And we see that in the scoring here. It's never crazy 30 under kind of stuff that we're used to on the PGA Tour. So it's a classical tree line, 7,200 yard par 72. The greens are a mix of bent grass with poanna. Uh, the Greens themselves are 6,000 square feet on average. So quite, yeah, kind of run of the mill. Um, difficulty rank last year, 19 of 41 courses, 71.24. And winning scores around here recently have been uh, champ 17 under, Tway 14 under, Steel 15 under, Steel 18 under, grio 15 under. So at that mid-score kind of level, we're not going kind of Oh, we're not going 23, 25, 28 under like we've seen on a lot of tournaments because I think the the local geography, the local meteor, you know, the, the the local weather, and the way that Johnny wants those greens to have a little bit of release, make it a little bit of a truer test, means that the scoring can't be as low. Also, fairways are particularly difficult to hit around It's One, it's always got one of the highest clicks for missed fairways, um, but. That conversely kind of gives us a little bit of a steer as to what kind of player we might be looking for because if I look at the winning stats of the uh, champions here, 2014 through 2019, so that's champ through to bay since they played at Silverado. And I take the average is of the score stats traditionally. Driving distance 17th, so it's nice to be a long drive around here. Driving accuracy 20th. So that screams total driving from the very outset, long and straight. Now, clearly, Phil Mickelson. I've seen someone on our Facebook group this morning saying that Phil Mickelson at twenty to one is printing money, and that 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 could be the case. But when I checked Phil around here, Phil doesn't like to hit fairways at this golf course, um, and you know historically you need to be hitting a decent amount of fairways to win here. Green's in regulation 13th, proximity to hole 21st, scrambling, listen to this, scrambling averages out as 4th, putting average 31st. Paul, how many tournaments on the PGA Tour do you see an average winning putting average across six winners of 31st in the field?
2: Yeah, but then going back to the list of names, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, Steel. Still, Champ twain. twice.
0: They're, they're, yeah. yeah, they're not they're not Phil Mickelson on or Branch Snedeker uh, on the greens, exactly. are they?
2: Yeah, yeah, Emiliano Grillo. I mean, these guys don't putt well. That's a fact. So that kind of steers you in a different direction as to the yeah. kind of player that you think could uh, could go well. And that is kind of backed
0: up by strokes gained across mm-hmm. the last four winners. Champ through steel twice again. Strokes gained off the tee, on average, for those four winners, 10th. So good, powerful drivers. Strokes gained on approach, 12th. So a decent standard, but not, not as accurate as we have seen in recent weeks. Strokes gained around the green, 28th. Yeah. Strokes gained tee to green, 4th. And then Strokes gained putting, again, a really high number, 20th. Mm. I mean, Cameron yeah. Champ, 28th the Strokes gained putting last year. Uh, Brandon Steele in 2017 was 29th. So that must have been kind of almost like average, neutral.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it says to me, longer sorts who can hit the ball a fairly long way. Um, there's a there's a lot of par, long par fours around here. Um, there are also a number of holes here where if you can be really aggressive off the tee... Kind of brand Bryson DeChambeau kind of styley. You can virtually have a chip to the fr- you know, just a chip up the green yeah. with your second. Uh, I've 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 noted the fifth, the eighth, the ninth, the sixteenth, and the 18th where going for the green becomes a real factor. Someone that can hit the ball a long distance and get it in a prime position, then just to uh, either go for the par fives in two, or to make a shorter par four, a scoreable par four.
2: Yeah, it kind of bears out your total driving point. It's if you can hit it in the fairway a long way down, mm. you're going to give yourself a lot of chances on these par fives. If that's where the bulk of the scoring is done, then they're the target and the key holes in terms of actually getting yourself to compile a decent score.
0: The other thing I've noted with PGA Tour events, the week, the you know the first event after the Tour Championship. So, last year we had the Greenbrier, actually, and it, that was won by it, the wunderkind Neiman at 28-1. to But he, he'd he shown some very nice rounds throughout the playoffs. You know, there was a, there was a round, I think he shot a, a 65 at the BMW, the, the, the outing before, which was good enough for second in the field. He'd been, you know, showing some real spark. Kevin Tway had done the same. He'd only finished 43rd at the Dell Technologies, but that contained... Uh, one good round, which was in the top ten for the field. The outing before that, he was actually sixth after 36 holes at the Northern Trust. Bearing in mind that those are huge events for a player of Tways or Neiman's. Now you're playing with yeah. the very best of the best. It's like a major, isn't it? Yeah. So there's there's something in there as well. And even Brand, even Brendan, still in 2017, he'd. Um, He'd been seventh after 36 holes at the BMW Championship, the, the outing before. So there's something in there about players that have shown just a little bit of spark, a little bit of guts, a little bit of well, actually, I can mix it with some of the best players in the world in the playoffs. And then they come to the Safeway Open or whatever the opening event of the next season is, and say, well, actually, this field is no FedEx Cup event. If I can keep my game going nicely, I can I can actually get a victory here. Um, yeah. And, you know, the likes of Kevin Tway, the likes of Imal, Im, Emiliano Grillo, uh, the, the likes of Jimmy Walker going back to 2013. And, it, you know, Joaquin Neiman last year, he won the first event. I know it was the Green Bride, but that was his first ever tour win. You do get a lot of tour maidens winning their first events in a, in an event like this. And that's kind of where I'm at. Um I'm going. I, I I I wouldn't say I've ignored it deliberately, but you know, we, we, it's easy to make a case for someone like a Siwoo Kim. Although I'd, I would personally never back Siwoo Kim on anything Bermuda I mean, we saw that at the yeah. Wyndham where he could have won a few yeah. weeks ago. I, I I wouldn't back Phil Mickelson at twenty to one here. Um, I think of the of the top guys, he would have been the most likely, and I I did kind of think about putting him up. Shane Lowry at twenty five. Well, yes, he's a good player. He could. But, is he really going to be thinking about this week or is he thinking about the, his long flight to the US Open next week at New York? Joel Damon at 30-1. to 1. You've got Joel Damon there. I mean, he's a guy that put out on Twitter the other week that he doesn't care if he never wins a tournament on the PGA Tour. He's just happy soaking up lots of cash. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Is that the kind of mindset you want on a 30-1 to 1 shot? Well,
2: a career journeyman, yeah. yeah.
0: And then you've got the enigma that is Jordan Spieth. Who'd have thought a few years ago that Jordan Spieth would be 30 to 1? In this field? Uh, fifth favourite or sixth favourite in this field. In the, would he ever he would never even have played the Safeway Open, would he? But clearly, you know, him and Mickelson and Lowry and Tommy Fleet these are guys that have missed the FedEx Cup playoffs and they need to play an event before the US Open. Yeah. Same with Sergio Garcia. That takes me down the betting market. I've gone past Brandon Steele. Um, and I've gone to Harold Varner III and I, he's another one of these Tony Finau types isn't he he's got so many supporters Harold Varner third, and he's had so many false dawns in the past but do you know what I just couldn't avoid him I've managed to get on the ball at 33-1 to 1, the 8 places with Paddy Power And you just look at the way that he's played of late, you know, even coming back from the redemption, you know, the resumption of COVID, back at the uh, Charles Swab Challenge. I don't know if you can cast your mind back to June, but he was leading that event after 36 holes at Colonial. And that tournament was absolutely loaded. Um, He showed nicely at the PGA Championship a few weeks ago, which they played at San Francisco, uh, which is no more than 100 miles away here from Napa. He actually he landed 29th in the end, which is his best ever major finish. And then buoyed by that, he flew to the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, the last of the regular season. And he shot us eight under 62 to be a first round leader, part leader at 80 to one. And then instead of just disappearing, and we've seen Harold Varner do something like that. And next thing you know, he's shooting eight over par the next day and missing the cut or down in last place, making the cut. He actually kept the round to go the, the the weekend together. He shot sixty nine on the Friday, sixty seven on the Saturday. He was still in the top ten, and he shot a sixty five five under on the final Sunday to finish seventh. And you just think, mm, you know, that's someone that might be getting comfortable to the heat of Sunday pressure and getting his head around the fact that he's an absolutely fantastic golfer. These full season numbers actually shocked me, Paul. 17th for strokes gained off this is a season stat on the PGA Tour the very cream of golf yeah, in the, across the planet he's 17th yeah. for strokes gained off the tee 15th for total driving 8th for strokes gained tee to green and 8th for ball striking
2: yeah that's impressive top 10
0: on the PGA Tour tee to green mm. He's the, he's elite isn't he apart yeah. from the fact that he struggles on the greens and he struggles with the sort of grey matter between the ears at points. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, he's there's the absolutely perfect golfer for Silverado this week. Yeah, yeah. Perfect golfer.
2: Yeah.
0: No, I can see the logic. 33-1? to 1. Kind of fits in that bracket that we're looking for. Two maiden made and would not be surprised. And he's got, I think it's four top 20s at this place. He's played here six consecutive years, plays it every year. And always gets a reasonable finish here. Next up for me, someone that really did shock the golfing world a few weeks ago. It certainly shocked me when I was having my Weetabix on, on uh, Saturday morning and saw that Cameron Davis was virtually co-leading the Northern Trust at TPC Boston. Talented Australian. Um, he was in second spot, tied with Scotty Scheffler after two rounds at that Northern Trust. But actually, we've mentioned Davis in the past. I know he's not new to listeners. He, he's been tipped up recently, quite rightly so. He's just he, His all-round game is excellent. He, he ranked 22nd for ball striking and 31st for total driving last season. Again, great numbers. Um, He's 308 yards off the tee. He's in the top 20 for driving distance on the PGA Tour. And he's a pure ball striker. Uh, Across my eight-week trackers for this particular tournament, ninth for greens and regs, seventh for strokes gained off the tee, 18th for strokes gained on approach, and 11th for strokes gained tee to green. Shock and horror, he also ranks first on my eight-week trackers in this field for strokes gained putting. So someone that's long, aggressive... Brilliant ball striking and the putt has been working recently. Mm. Just sign him up really. Perfect whether he's got the whether he's got the experience and whether he's got the wherewithal to actually get over the fi- the finishing line on a Sunday is yet to be seen. But I could certainly see a scenario where Davis is teeing up in the last few groups on Sunday around here. Yeah, yes. and you,
2: yeah, you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt until proven and otherwise. And you, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how he fares, should he get himself in that spot.
0: I tipped him up two years ago here and he actually finished with a four under 68. Uh, he finished 17th. He actually finished that year. This is how or my mind works. He, he actually finished tied 17th with one Cameron Champ that week. Yeah. And then the week after, I tipped up Cameron Davis, didn't tip up Cameron Champ, and Cameron Champ went and won the Sanderson Farms the week after. Cameron Davis didn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good player, Davis. The 2017 Australian Open winner where he beat Jason Day, Jordan Speed, and Cameron Smith. Yeah, yeah. So he's no mug. So I've gone Davis at forties. I've got Harold Varner the third at thirty threes, and then I'll mention my fifty to one shot. And before I get to my next two after that, I'll bring you guys in. Next up. Player that we're all aware of, a great driver of the ball, um, very long off the tee, an exceptional young talent. He's only twenty-four. I remember him very, very um uh clearly when he, he went head to head in a round at the 2018 Honda Classic with Tiger Woods and beat him. Um Sam Burns, he's fifty yeah. to one, eight places each way at Boyle Sports. Um across my eight week trackers, he's first for strokes gained off the tee. In this field, 17th for strokes gained T to green, 12th for strokes gained total. I can remember him a few, uh, six, eight weeks ago, Workday Charity Open. That was the event that Colin Morrick-Carwell won in that crazy finish with Justin Thomas at Memorial Village. And 36 holes and 54 holes, Sam Burns was in fourth spot that week, mixing it with some of the very best players on the PGA Tour. Um, Finished like a train a few weeks ago at the Wyndham Championship, where he finished 13th with weekend rounds of 65 Saturday, 65 Sunday. He just seems to be putting well. And on the Corn Ferry a few years ago, 2018, he finished third at the Utah Championship. So in neighbouring Utah, third in the 2018 Utah Championship. That was an event won by tournament winner last year here, Cameron champ. So that's another link in for Sam Burns who I think mm. is on many Maidens list of talented players that could be winning soon on the PGA Tour. So that's three for me so far. I've got Varna, Davis, and Burns. Paul mm. I know you haven't had much time I know Barry's had even less. Is there anyone that you're backing at the Safeway Open this week?
2: Yeah well, I've, I've, I've back to one I'm going to back another and another one just as you've been talking I'm pondering and that the one I'm pondering is Sergio Garcia um, and the reason for that is um his form isn't hasn't been great and his price relative to what I perceive to be his quality in this field um is quite attractive I mean he's, he's available around the 2830 to one mark and um, yeah I think he's a bit better than that Sergio um he hasn't played the track, I understand that. Um, but if you look at his total driving over his last few starts, the mm. um, St. Jude WGC level, 7th um, there for total driving, Windham Championship, championship, um, ninth there for total driving. So clearly that aspect of his game, which could be pretty pivotal this week, um, is uh, working well. I I remember putting up um, Sergio at the um, earth course last year after the back of St. Paul 4. And kind of overlooking the fact that he hadn't been playing great, um, and simply taking the fact that he's, uh, you know, he, he's better than the price suggested, um, and uh, he finished sick that week. He, he, he produced an each way payout for us, and I've got a feeling he might be in that kind of bracket here this week. I, I haven't backed him. I'm going to need to give it a little bit more thought, but um, he's one for my um, thought process list. The one I have backed is Tyler Duncan, sixty-six to one. Um, he got his breakthrough win in the, well, effectively the full series segment of the PGA Tour last year, the RSM Classic. Um, he's shown some flashes of form lately. Thirteenth for the Windham, um, four rounds there in the sixties. Twenty for the Northern Trust. Forty eighth for the BMW. Second after the first day, and closed with the sixty eighth for a bit of momentum. Fifth for total driving that week. So again, if that is one of the key stats this week, then um, potentially one to look at fifth here in 2017 on his debut and he led that year for the first three rounds he just came out and stuck right at the business end but he's better now he's got a pga tour win under his belt since that point and clearly more experienced i think he's in some sneakily good form really Um, and again fits in that kind of price bracket that you were talking about earlier so so tyler duncan yeah for me, 66 to 1, and of course, Matt Every's in the field, so I'll be playing him, first round leader. I had a good,
0: I did have a good look out. at Duncan, because he's, been another one that's, he, he was showing up in a few, in one of those, um, playoff events.
2: Yeah, yeah, the BMW, yeah, it was, uh, mm. yeah second after the first day, so, uh, and, and I say, close with the 68 as well, which, uh, in the context of that event, was pretty strong rounds, so, yeah, some decent enough form from Duncan, and uh, yeah, so clearly a PGA Tour winner now to boot, um, which has got to give him some decent stead. And of course, that he's come back to having performed here well in the past.
0: Anyone caught your eye, Barry? Uh,
1: just one so far. Big fan of Harold Varner. Um, it's you know thirty-three to one is just mean, <laughs> you know um so yeah i'll see um just one that kind of caught my eye is mark hubbard yeah he's the 13th here last year had a okay run of uh recent results um went to university in san jose so not not even an hour away from the golf course so um, I don't know if he's ever played before, but he's kind of, you know, back to a territory. He was, uh, you know, back to an area of the country he spent a bit of time in. And he seems to, his results seem to pop a little better on tree lined courses. So, you know, tied 12th at the Rocket Mortgage, tied 15th at the Wyndham Championships, you know, since uh, those were back in May and just last month. So, um, yeah, Back to him. Other than that, I am lacking in study. <laughs> so, this, this, the Monday finish has kind of thrown me off kilter for the week. I think it's thrown everyone off kilter. Yeah. Hubbard
0: actually threw in a 69 at the BMW Championship a few weeks ago. He was 26th after 54 holes. And that is the kind of player we want. Absolutely. I think he was from. Col- I think he grew up in Colorado as well, so he's he's right. from this kind of part of the world. Yeah, I can see Hubbard. I do like Hubbard. That's a that's a decent uh, that's a decent out. That is, I like that. Two more from me. I'm following this this angle of good drivers and someone that's shown some real quality at you know probably better than their their rank in the PGA Tour um, over the FedEx Cup. One was Harry Higgs had an outstanding outing at the Northern Trust where I think he was in the top uh, I think he was he finished 11th in the end but he was right in the mix come Sunday Harry Higgs and one thing we've learnt about him he's a very very strong driver of the golf ball and he's actually got some good results on this kind of agronomy I'll tell you what I found we've got the the Bent Poe mixed greens we've also got Bermuda grass fairways which I found were that's kind of weird for uh, a California. But with the heat here and the lack of water, I can see it. And it's it, it was verified by the course superintendent. So they actually play a mix of Bermuda grass and uh, and some rye grass on the fairways. But Harry Higgs, second in Kansas, 11th in Utah, third in Colorado, 11th in Idaho. And he won the Price Cutter Championship on the Corn Ferry in Missouri. So this kind of ag- agronomy with the Ben and the Power that works for um, Higgs who actually grew up um, in New Jersey and uh, he's based down in Dallas, Texas. So that kind of poano and that bent grass, that that would have been just agronomy and grasses and bluegrass that he's been playing uh, since he was a youngster. But yeah, powerful driver, 300 yards, he averages off the tee. Again, top 40 for strokes going off the tee and top 30 for total driving this season. Um, I just thought Higgs is another one that kind of put his hand up to be back this week mm. at eighty to one, and finally a player that I know that you've mentioned quite a lot in the past, recent past, Paul is Robbie Shelton. Mm. I've got him at ninety to one with Betfred, um, seven places at the time. Um, he 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 shot a final round sixty six at the Northern Trust, which included the last six holes at six under the 13th spot and that actually boosted his FedEx Cup rank and he got on the TV where he made the bubble and got it into the BMW Championship yeah. and for any rookie I know that we've been spoilt with Scotty Scheffler and the likes of um, um, Scotty Scheffler and Sung Im recently where they've kind of come on as rookies and just devastated everything but for a rookie to hit the PJ Tour and actually make the top 70 is some accomplishment I think in a kind of normal golfing world. Um, seventh at the Greenbrier last year, which was his first ever PGA Tour event as a rookie. Sixth at the Mike Over, 11th in Honda, and then he was third at the 3M Open in late July. That was the tournament that Michael Thompson won. So he clearly got his head around the fact that he can mix it at PGA Tour level in fields that aren't hugely full of quality. Um his two, his two wins on the Corn Ferry in 2019 came at 15-under. And they were both on bent grass green, so like that. And actually, he was 10th there after 36 holes last year. And his numbers recently have been spectacular in this field. 7th for strokes gained tee to green over the last eight weeks. And six for strokes gained total. Top 25 both for off the tee and approach. There hasn't been a lot of weakness in Shelton's game recently. He's been very, very good from tee to green and with the putter. So he was the last one in at 90 to one. So Shelton at 90s, Higgs at 80s, Burns at 50s, Davis 40s, and Harold Varner 3rd I've been sucked into HV3 at 33 to one this week. Those are the five I am backing at the Safeway Open.
2: Interesting to see how um, Shelter finishes if he is in position because those final rounds that he's been producing, as you say, 63 at the Northern Trust and 64 at 3M, that's the kind of number you want to see of a player who gets himself into the uh, into the mix or to produce when he's in the mix.
0: So. Yeah, and you also get a mix here. Great point, Paul. Um, I mean, Champ was three ahead going into the final round here last year, but Tway's been three back. Brandon Steele. Brendan Steele was four back a few years ago. Yeah. So you know the car, yeah. This is it. Not you know you. It's, we talked about Ryan Palmer earlier. If you can get a player that can actually think, well, I'm not going to win this, and then shoot a crazy sixty four or sixty five on the sun on the Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that's very sit much the, on. Sit here. in the hut
2: and wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very much on here. Definitely. But. You could look at it the other way and Phil Mickelson's the best 20-1 to one bet you've ever had in your life. <laughs> Print your money. That's what Roy's saying on the Facebook group and he probably is right. Yeah,
2: but We'll see.
0: Okay, that's the show. We're done and dusted. Anything to add?
2: No, good. Best of luck, chaps.
1: Place I, I winning bets only.
2: Yeah, be yeah. nice, man.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's I. I This is like the soft start, isn't it? It's a weird because like next week we're straight into a major, whereas usually this time of year we've got a run of these like events where all the big boys take time off and uh, they're all just taking a week off and I guess getting a practice round or two in a winged foot and yeah, it's uh, It's when
0: you go. It's when you go to your favorite Italian restaurant, Barry, and Mm -hmm. they're just dishing up the dough balls to start. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with dough balls but you know there's no, something better to, to come.
1: come. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but you, you, you you know you, you know there's another peroni and you know that there's a there's a nice meal to come. <laughs> I
2: take it you're talking about the open to portugal you're looking forward to next
0: week. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, gee. Good luck mate. Yeah,
2: thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. Uh, that was the golf betting system podcast for this week. We'll be back later this week. For our U.S. Open Winged Foot Research Pod, so we look to uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Goodbye.